Morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Excellent. Good. Thanks for joining us in person. I know we still have a number of people that join us online, and we're always thankful for that. So thanks for being here today. We're in a series called Last Words, and we're looking at the final words of Jesus on the cross as we're heading into Easter here in just a couple of weeks. Jesus made seven statements when he was on the cross, 55 words, and we've been looking at those statements. Let's do a quick review to see if you're remembering these. The first one, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. The second one, I tell you the truth to the criminal on the cross beside him, today you'll be with me in paradise. The next one was, woman, to his mother, woman, behold your son, and to the disciple, John, Behold your mother. And then we jumped ahead last week. We kind of jumped out of order, but that's okay. Don't have to take them in any specific order. And we looked at a fourth statement, and that was, I thirst. I thirst. The cross of Jesus, where eternity's greatest problem is answered. The problem of sin. And no statement makes that any clearer than the statement that we will look at today which is, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Max Licato writes in his book, Six Hours, One Friday, To the casual observer, there was nothing unusual about these six hours. To the casual observer, this Friday was a normal Friday. Six hours of routine, six hours of the expected, six hours, one Friday. Six hours from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., six hours, one Friday. To the casual observer, the six hours are mundane. God is on a cross. The creator of the universe is being executed. And there's no one to save him, for he is sacrificing himself those six hours were no normal six hours. They were the most critical hours in history. This is perhaps the most painful moment in all of history. We're now in the last three hours of the cross, different from the first three hours of the cross. In the first three hours, there was a lot of noise. There was jeering. There was taunting. There was the mockers. But in these last three hours, there's mainly silence. Maybe because there was darkness. In the sixth hour, darkness came over all the land until the ninth hour. In that time, the sixth hour was noon. So from noon to three, there was darkness. Here's what Spurgeon writes. When Jesus was born, midnight turned to midday. And when he died, midday turned to midnight. When he was born, heaven was lit up with splendor, and from angelic choirs the Bethlehem song was heard, but when he died, heaven put out her brightest light. This is spiritual darkness. This is physical darkness. This is supernatural darkness. This is darkness that you can almost feel, and it is the darkest hour Jesus has ever experienced. And it's the darkest hour he will ever experience. At his birth, the sky was lit up, and yet at his death, there was darkness till noon. At his birth, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. 
at his death, darkness came over all the land. And Jesus cries out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was covered with our sins that day. The darkness existed because of our sin that day. And Jesus cries out in the darkness. I want you to notice Scripture says that Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Your translation may say, He shouted. In Mark 15, 34, the Greek says, Megas phony. Mega phone. In a loud voice, in a great voice, in a magnificent voice, in a powerful voice, in an important voice, in an intense voice. This is not a whisper. This is not fame. This is a loud statement. I want you to notice as we read that Scripture records the actual words. Perhaps to capture the intensity of the moment. Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani. I want you to notice Scripture records this statement in two places. In fact, this is the only statement from the cross recorded in more than one gospel. Statements 1, 2, and 7 are recorded only by Luke. Statements 3, 5, and 6 are recorded only by John. But this statement, two gospel writers, Matthew and Mark, So what does this statement mean? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, I believe this is a cry of separation. This is a direct quote from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At this point on the cross, at this point in history, at this point in the life of Jesus, He is separated from God the Father. The two who were one are now two. Somehow the Trinity is dismantled. Somehow the Godhead has been split. Think about that. When Jesus was born, God was there. When Jesus was growing up, God was there. When Jesus started and throughout His public ministry, God was there. When Jesus was baptized, God was there. When Jesus was tempted, God was there. When Jesus heals and teaches and raises the dead, God is there. In the Garden of Gethsemane, God is there. When they take Him off to the trials, God the Father is there. When they scourge Him and beat Him and mock Him, God is there. When they put the nails in the hands and put the nails in the feet, God is there. When He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, God is there. When He reaches out to the criminal and says, Today you'll be with me in paradise, God is there. But when this hour comes and this hour is dark, God the Father has to forsake His Son. And God the Father is not there. This is not just the first time in His 33 years on earth. This is the first time in all of eternity. This is the only time in all of eternity that God is not there. Why this cry of separation? Because God cannot have fellowship with sin. And at this moment, Jesus bears our sins... Here's what we read in 1 Peter 2. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear you. God, in His holiness, must judge sin even if that judgment is on His own Son. And for the first time in history, the 
relationship between Jesus and God the Father is one of separation. We looked at Hebrews 4 last week. We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way. Another translation, he has shared fully in all our experience of temptation. Think about that. Jesus up to this moment has known every human experience except one. He's thirsted. He's hungered. He's grown weary. He knows what it's like to have his friends abandon him. He knows what it's like to have his disciples desert him. But until this moment, he has never tasted the consequences of sin. And Jesus, for the first time, is separated from his Father. Up to this moment, Jesus has experienced everything with God. Up to this moment, Jesus has had that relationship with God the Father. But at this moment, he is forsaken, he is alone, he is abandoned, his Father is not there. We sing the song sometimes, my Jesus knows when I am lonely. He, he, he knows with this statement. He knows each pain, he sees each tear. At this moment, darkness invades the earth. At this moment, darkness invades his soul. And for the first time in history, Jesus looks around to find the Father. And the Father is not there, and he cries out, Why? Why have you forsaken me? God in His justice cannot look upon sin. And Jesus at this moment is carrying all of our sins. And so God cannot look upon His Son. So this is a cry of separation. Think about it. You go back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve had everything. They had a perfect relationship with God. And we read in Scripture, but God banished them from the Garden of Eden. They were separated. They were banished. They were forsaken. They were, were removed from the presence of God. Listen, folks, I, I, I don't know what hell will be like. But Scripture says for those who don't obey Jesus, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out, abandoned, forsaken from the presence of God. Jesus is forsaken on this day. He's removed from the presence of God. So it is a cry of separation. Number two, I think this is a cry of substitution. Of substitution. Why, why would God forsake the only righteous man who's ever lived? Here's what we read in 2 Corinthians 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. There was one who was willing to, to substitute and to die in my stead that a soul so unwilling might live. In the path to the cross, he was willing to tread all the sins of my life to forgive. He's tender and loving and patient with me. While he cleanses my heart of its dross. But there's no condemnation. I know I'm free. For my sins are all nailed to the cross. This cry of being forsaken. Is our cry to be made. Because Jesus took our sins. Jesus 
carried our sins. Jesus was our substitute. God was willing to forsake His Son so that He never has to forsake us. In his book, The Cross of Christ, John R.W. Stott writes, The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. The essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserves to be. Here's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. This is a cry of substitution. You remember one of the taunts from the crowd, from the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders. He saved others, but He cannot save Himself. They didn't know how true those words were. Because either God can save His Son, or He can save me and you. But He couldn't save both. And so Jesus said, where are you, God? And all He got was darkness. So what does this statement mean for us? One, because Jesus was forsaken by God, we, we don't have to be. Let me say it another way. Jesus was separated from God so that we don't have to be. Let me say it another way. Jesus was banished from God so that we don't have to be. Here's what we read in Matthew 27. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Those words might not mean much to us, but the early Christians, those Christians in that day, knew exactly what that meant, and they knew exactly the importance of the curtain. We read in Hebrews, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is, His body, let us draw near to God. Jesus Opened the curtain. Jesus opened the way. With his death, he gave us access to God. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. That's what Jesus gives us, is access. Jesus was willing to be banished from the presence of God so that you and I can go into the presence of God. Jesus cried out, Why have you forsaken me? So that you never have to. Number two, this statement tells me that we should take sin seriously. I'm not sure we really grasp the seriousness of sin. I know we don't take sin as seriously as God does. The Son of God was forsaken on the cross. Because of sin. The Son of God was separated from God the Father because of sin. This statement demands that we take sin seriously. This statement demands that we take our sins seriously. This statement demands that we stop rationalizing our sins, saying, Yeah, it's no big deal. Sin is so serious it cost God his son. Sin is so serious it cost Jesus his life. Sin is so serious. Someone died for me and you. 
We read in Romans 3, For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life shedding His blood. God did, did this to demonstrate His righteousness, for He Himself is fair and just, and He makes sinners right in His sight when they believe in Jesus. Jesus was willing to be separated from His Father, and He was separated because of our sins. Sin is so horrible, it came between Jesus and the Father. Sin is so horrible, it demands that we be serious about holiness. Listen, folks, if, if you've never confessed Jesus as your Savior, based on this statement, based on what I read in Scripture, you, you need to know, and I need to be honest with you, and I believe Scripture says that if you've never confessed the name of Jesus, then you are forsaken by God. You're banished from God. You're separated from God. Think about it. If God the Father will turn, the, turn His back on His Son because of sin, do you think He's going to take our sin lightly? Maybe you've accepted Jesus, and you are a Christ follower, and Sometimes you just take your sin flippantly like it's no big deal. Do you really think God's going to overlook our careless attitude about sin? What does this statement mean for me? It means, it means God loves you and God loves me. I don't believe the nails held Jesus to the cross that day. I believe His love for me and you held him to the cross. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus was separated so that we could experience the presence of God. And that is why we cherish the old rugged cross. That is why we cling to the old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross, where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me, for the dear Lamb of God left His glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. You know, the centurion came to a conclusion that day. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they're terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was a son of God. Question. What conclusion have you reached about Jesus? What conclusion have you reached about your sin? I mean, isn't it time you took your sin seriously? Isn't it time for you to be serious about your decision for Jesus? Listen, listen, listen. Don't walk out of here today without making a decision for Jesus. Oh, we'll stand and we'll sing an invitation song and you don't have to come down front. You can make that decision right where you are between you and God. But don't leave here today without making a decision to give your life to Jesus to repent of your sins, to confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Here's the deal, folks. When it, when it comes 
when it comes to your sin, when it comes to my sin, we can't pay the price. We can't pay our sin debt. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why Jesus was forsaken. Jesus died on the cross to deliver us from sin so that we have 24-7 access to God. Would you make a decision to follow Jesus today as we stand and sing?